This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Good evening, everybody. Pashas Lech Lecha. So, everybody, I've been speaking the past few years, and I would like to continue on the subject. So, so it's a very interesting question, Pashas Lech Lecha. Number one, what was the big test? Because, what Hashem tell Avram? Let's look at, let's look at the inside for a moment. Hashem Avram. Leave your, your land, your birthplace, and your father's house. To the land that you will, I, I, will, uh, I will show you. So Hashem didn't tell him where he's going. But Hashem made him a lot of promises. I'm going to make you to a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. And it'll be a bracha. Whoever blesses you will be blessed. Whoever curses you will be cursed. So, the question is, what kind of test is this? If, if Hashem came to anyone in this room and He told you, you should go to Eretz Yisrael, or He wouldn't even tell you where to go, but He'd say, wherever you're going, Hashem, you're going to become great, you're going to have children, you're going to become a nation, you're going to be rich. Now you have to remember, Abraham didn't have children at this time. He was being picked on by all the people where he lived in Charon. They were making fun of him. Um, and here Hashem shows up and tells him, Listen, get out of here. I promise you, wherever you go, you're going to have children, you're going to become rich, you're going to become famous. So what, what's the big test? We know this is one of his biggest tests, of his ten tests. What's this big test? It's not a big test. Hashem's promising him the whole world. So there's a very important point that I want to discuss tonight, which um, through the 36 years of me being a Rebbe, I have no question that, that, that this is the absolute truth. So, so the... The question is, big deal. So uh, he left where he was. He wasn't so happy where he was anyway. The wall And Hashem's telling him that, you know, I, I got your back. Where I'm sending you is going to be unbelievable. We learn from here that for somebody to leave their environment, their, their, their household, their family, their, their language, even if I tell you that the place that you're going is going to be greater, you still don't want to go. It's still a very, very big test, which we know sometimes you're offered a job, right? A much better job out of town, right? Phoenix, as I know, as, as a, when I first started looking to be a Rebbe as a teacher, so I opened up the Jewish press and they, they pay a lot more money outside New York. If you go to Phoenix, you go to California, you go somewhere else, because it's hard for them to get a teacher, they only need to pay like 10 times, not 10 times, but at least 5 times the amount that you get paid here. But I didn't want to go because, well, what am I going to do in Phoenix, Arizona? Now, Phoenix, Arizona is a very nice place. But my family's here. I'm a Brooklynite. You know, this is where I know. I know my restaurants. I know my pizza shops. I know my shuls. I know my people. I, I'm comfortable. So even though in Arizona they're offering me Rebbe, Rabbi, Principal, and, all this, and a lot more money, I'm not going, right? And I'm sure there are people in this room that have been offered better jobs outside of where they are, right? And they're not going because they're, they're, there's, there's a rule. It's a very important rule if you're a mother or you're a teacher or a friend. And the rule is as follows. People do not leave their environment voluntarily. You're not going to find an Alaskan going to Florida, moving to Florida, even though what are you sitting up there in 20 degrees below zero? Go to Florida where it's 80 degrees. And the answer is he was born in Alaska. He's used to the cold. That's what he wants. You're not going to get a Floridian, right, in the summer when it's 140 degrees in the shade and it's humid and it's ugly. He's not going, he's not going to Alaska. Floridians have no problem. I was there in Florida, in Miami in the summer. It's beating down, it's humid, it rains like in the middle of the day for a couple of hours like crazy. It's very uncomfortable. And Floridians have no problem with it. They're used to it. They, they have no problem with it. No one's moving out of Florida. You know, we go to the Catskills. They, they, don't, they, don't, they don't go to the mountains in, in, in the summer, even though it's very, very hot, because that's what they're used to. So people get very used to their environment. Therefore, if you have a child that and, and, and this is a mistake that I see very often you have this child she's a 6th grader she's, a, she's doing great 
first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, nice student, friendly, you know, doing very well, doing well at home. All of a sudden, she becomes a monster, right? This kid is not doing well in school. She's rebelling. She's not talking to her friends anymore. There's a drastic change. You need to know, and I, I just had a whole thing with Mechanchem on this. You need to know that it, it doesn't just happen. It's not all of a sudden that a kid changes. People don't all of a sudden change for no reason. So it's very easy on a graph, it's very easy if you're a teacher and you know this or you're a parent and you know this and all of a sudden your kid's coming home and she was in ninth grade perfect, she had certain mannerisms and a certain personality and all of a sudden this personality all of a sudden changed drastically. It's not like a kid wakes up in the morning and says, uh, I don't want to be from anymore. Chesidish should go all of a sudden wear short skirts. And she just got up in the morning and she's surrounded by a Chesidish family and she's used to Chesidish family and she's in a base and all of a sudden this kid's wearing short skirts. No, it doesn't work that way. And if you, if you research and you look into it, you will find that there's some trauma. Something happened at that point in the graph when all of a sudden it went like that. You circle that little point and then you try to figure out at that age, at that point, something happened. Because Lech Lecha is an Isayan to leave your environment, even if you're being told that it's going to be great somewhere else, to leave your environment is considered a very big test. And the reason it's a very big test, because we don't leave our environments voluntarily. The only way a person leaves in his, env- his environment is if he gets pushed out. And our, our, our objective, whether you're, you're a therapist or a teacher, For a parent, your objective is to figure out what pushed this child out. Because our world today, very, very much, I'm not going to say it's in order to make money. I won't won't go as far as that because I really don't think that's what it is. But we spend trillions of dollars on therapy. We spend trillions of dollars on drugs. And the bottom line is that most people are trying to fix the symptom. Drugs, the abuse of drugs is a symptom that the person is in pain. It's not the drugs. Everyone's focusing on the drugs. And they, they send these kids, we send people to rehab, and the relapse, the normal relapse, good rehab, the best rehab actually, is 80%. So here you spend $25,000 a month, and they're telling you, or 40,000 or 60,000. And they're telling you that there's an 80 to 90% chance that that person that you're spending all this money on is going to relapse. Betty Ford, which is considered the best for alcoholism, their rate of relapse is 80%. So now in any business that would be a total failure, right? 80%. No one's investing if, if only, if 80% of my school, my kids in my school fail, you're not sending your kid to my school, right? So why do you think there's an 80% chance of, of, of relapse? Why does that happen? And, and, and the way they judge success is between relapses. In other words, this she relapsed after 30 days. Next time we put it back into rehab, now it ended up being 60 days. Then we put it back into rehab, now it ended up being 120 days. So we're getting successful. So after $2.5 million in three years, you might get her clean for five years. So the question is, why, why, do, why 80% relapse? And the answer is that because when we see the drug, we're reacting to the drug. It's sort of when you see the rash, you're reacting to the rash, and you're putting calamine lotion on the rash or the headache, but you're not looking at what's driving the headache, and that might be strep. So as much as you keep taking care of that rash, if you don't give her the antibiotics and you don't get to the source of the disease, the disease keeps coming back, it keeps coming back, and it keeps coming back. So one of the biggest problems that we have is that instead of treating the disease, we treat the symptom. So, drugs and drinking and smoking and gambling and all these different addictions are, there are reasons that that person has gotten into that addiction. Of course, drugs is, 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 is easy, it's anesthesia. So if you see a child that's, that's chas v'shalom drugging, even, I had this fight this week, even marijuana. Okay, someone smoked marijuana. I'm like, 
Rabbi Walsh doesn't smoke marijuana. Now, how come Rabbi Walsh doesn't smoke marijuana? Why don't I smoke marijuana? Right? So, let's say it's legalized. It's legalized in three states. Let's say they come to New York and they say, in New York, you can all smoke marijuana legally. There are some people in this room that might. But, I know some people in this room that even if it was legalized, absolutely would not. So you have to question yourself, why not? The Chama would not smoke marijuana, I don't think, anyway. Right? Maybe during the poem, right? I'm kidding. She's not going to fight. Ruth is not going to... So, why? Why not? It's legal. And the answer is, the answer is, that a reason that a person does drugs is to, is to get out of reality. But if I love reality, right? If I love reality, if I'm an artist, right? And I love beautiful things that I want to draw. Well, I'm a musician. Am I going to take anything that's going to hurt my clarity when I'm drawing? Or my clarity when I'm playing that music? Of course not. <laughs> but if I'm a miserable musician, and I'm a miserable artist, then I'm going to take a drug so that I'm going to think that my picture, that everyone else is going to say like, ugh, right? But when I'm, on, when I'm high, I'm going to say, wow, look at all the colors. It moves. It's like, all right, I'm high. So if, if, I'm, if I'm healthy, and I'm, and I'm in a, in a world that I want to change, and I want to grow, and I want to do things, and I want to accomplish, I'm not going to take anything that's going to slow that down. So the people that are in pain, and the people that feel like they're losers, and the people that feel like they're not getting anywhere, right? And the people that are lost, so they're going to take this in ch- these, these different drugs. But the person who's in a good place, and the person who, who feels that they have what to give, this is going to slow me down. This is gonna, this is gonna make the picture very unclear. They're not, they're not gonna want it. So, so what's going on is that we're rehabbing the drug, we're rehabbing the alcohol, but we're not getting to the bottom of it. It's the same thing in Shalom Bias. You can go to, you can go, you shouldn't have to ever go for marriage counseling, but you can go for marriage counseling and marriage counseling and deal, and deal with that they yell at each other. Right? And deal that they scream at each other. That's not the problem that they scream at each other. Problem is, why? Why? People work on their tempers, right? So, so they're like, you, you, you gotta swallow it. Why, why are you getting angry? If we could work on why you're getting angry, and we could change that, then we don't have to send you to anger management. I mean, I, I've said this story before about myself. I was, I'm a client, and I had a very terrible temper as a child. And, what a guy in yeshiva once said something to me in the middle of the base medrash that he shouldn't have said and I turned around and I broke his nose and I got thrown out of school because he just don't turn around base medrash and break a kid's nose but that's what I did and he happened to have been a friend of mine that's crazy right so so I got the most penalty minutes in hockey I had a temper I was really you just I just had a temper so finally one of my rabbeim so swallow it count sheep Walk outside, take a breath of air. That's not the that's not the answer. The answer is, little boy, why are you so angry? What's causing you to be angry? What could you do with that anger? So my Rebbe taught me to take that emotion, right? Because we all have emotions, and anger is an emotion, and you can't really swallow it. So you have to change the emotion. And he taught me how to change the emotion into sort of. I don't know if I use the word pity, but sort of the word pity. So when someone is screaming and yelling at me, I look at them and say, Nebuch, look at this person, they're totally out of control. If your mother is yelling at you, instead of getting angry at her and screaming at her, or God forbid doing something even worse, you have to look at your mother and say, oh my goodness, such a, my mother is not appreciating that she has me as a child. My mother is, is missing out on, on, on enjoying life. She's yelling and screaming and always yelling and screaming. I'm going to go say Tehillim for her. That Hashem should help her. That she should feel better. That she should feel good. You, you, you take that anger. You take that emotion. If someone embarrasses you. I was just in there. So I was having a long talk with Rav Shani. And, and Rav Shani said to me something very interesting. He said that... No, I'm sorry. It wasn't Rav Shani. It wasn't, it wasn't Rav Shani. It was somebody else. And he said to me that... He's a collector by the Kaisal. He collects for chickens. They call him the chicken man. His name is Benjamin Herschler. One day, if he ever comes to America, I'll have him give him a share. I'll have him 
give a shit here. He's he's a a breath of a guy that collects the chickens, and everyone makes fun of him all the time. They make fun of him. He's a heavy stick guy. He's collecting for chickens, and oh, they make fun of him. So I said to him, "How do you deal with that? How do you deal with that? People make fun of you all the time. You know, they they insult him sometimes." So he said, "Anytime a person insults me, I say now I understand the pain of the shechina." So all the people in the world that say there is no God, they walk around, they're atheists. So I never understood how Hashem feels. But now, the people are calling me names. Now I know how Hashem feels. He said, every time a person hurts him, he turns around, he told me, he says, the loss is, this is what I do. Every time a person hurts me in my life, I turn around and say, now I understand God, how you feel when someone tries to hurt you. He says, so I have no pain whatsoever. Just the opposite. If I do someone a big favor, and instead of saying thank you, they spit at me, I say, now I understand Hashem, all the people you give life to, and you give everything to, and they turn around every day, and they do a various, and they spit at you, now I understand your pain. He says, that's, he says, and you go through life like that, he says, whatever I go through, I say, God, now I understand what you're going through. When I go around for tzedakah, and people don't give me, and instead of that they say terrible things, I think about the shechina of everything you do, and people don't give you anything, they don't daven, they don't believe in you, and I understand your pain. He said to me, he says, you have to learn how to do that. He says, if you could do that, every time someone hurts you, take that and say, now Hashem, I know what, what it means to feel, what you feel like when someone tries to hurt you. He says, your life will change totally. And he's always singing. And he's always smiling. He's always singing, this man. And he's a very poor man, and he collects money for tzedakah. And he's always singing. So you have to be able to, you have to be able to change. You have to be able to change the way you think and the way you act. And and this is part of what I'm what I'm, what I'm going to talk about. So my anger, which I still have the same midos inside of me, but instead, when someone insults me, right, I look at them as I never, you know. You don't understand, you know, I don't have a beard, I can't speak in this school, I can't speak in that school, and all these different things. Instead of getting angry, person told me this trip when I was in Eretz Yisrael, we'd love to have you, if you don't have a beard, right? So, in the old days, I would say like, oh, beard makes the man, and you judge people, ah, what's his name, Osama Bin Laden had a nice beard, right? You would let him speak in your yeshiva, he had a beautiful beard, right? You would have given him, right? I'd get all angry, and you can't judge me like that, and it's not fair to judge me, and I'm like, if that's how you judge me, and you don't want me to speak in your yeshiva because I don't have a beard, never can you, what should I tell you? You know, I would love, right, I have a beard every once in a while, but, no, but talk, seriously, it changed in the old days, I would have gone crazy, I would have, it would have made me an anti-Semite, what, you're judging me because I don't, well, like, what are you doing? But now, it's okay, it's never, you don't understand. It's, it's a whole, it's a whole different way of thinking, and, 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 and therefore, if you, if you're just working on the symptoms, Maybe you'll get to the disease. It's going to take you a very, 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 very long time. And today, our generation is very symptomatic. If you go through a drugstore, it's all about the symptom. To get rid of the pain, get rid of the pain. They have every pill to get rid of the pain, but they don't have every pill to get rid of the disease. And, and a person, that person has to go inside themselves. And this is part of Lech Lecha. We'll talk about this in a minute. This is to go inside himself and has to figure out what is causing their behavior. Not their behavior, but what is causing that behavior. And if you can find out what's causing that behavior. And many times, children get hurt, and things happen in their life, and there's trauma, and we're busy trying to take care of the symptoms, and it just, they just relapse. And we keep trying, and they just relapse. And if we, we just find out what's behind it, and what happened, and we attack what hap- what happened, and we try to fix that, the symptoms all go away. You, you know, you, you, you take the pill for, for, um, for what's it called, for strep, and all the five symptoms, diarrhea, headaches, fever, rashes, they all go away. Otherwise, you got to get this, 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 and if you don't take the antibiotic, in the end, it doesn't work. Well, guess what? That's sort of what happened in this week's parasha. Because if you look at this week's parasha, Hashem tells Avram, right, to leave the place that he is, and where does he take with him? One, there's one word in this pasuk. Vayelech Avram kashediva elav Hashem, Vayelech ito lot. He left, like Hashem told him, he went, and lot went with him. 
And what does it happen? What happens right after that? Everyone knows. Lot's shepherds are stealing. Abram's shepherds are fighting with them. Which, by the way, um, just a very interesting chazal that it says Lot's shepherds were stealing, and Abram's shepherds were fighting with him. It doesn't say it doesn't say Abram and Lot. And he says that if you want to know if you want to know what a person's like. Look at his students. Look at the look at the people that work for him. Look at his students. If Lot's shepherds are stealing, he's stealing. If Avram's shepherds are giving Musa not to steal, then Avram is not stealing. So that's why it says in the Mishnah the difference between the Talmidim of 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 uh, of Bilam, right? It doesn't say the difference of Bilam himself. If you look at the Talmidim of someone, you want to understand who he is. So the, there's a very big question here, and the question here is. Lot was Avram Avinu's Talmud Muvak. He was Avram Avinu's student, and he imagine if I have a student and and I teach this guy for seventy years how to be a good Jew, and and now we move, and this student of mine all of a sudden comes to Russia, he's stealing, and then I'm like, listen, the two of us can't live in the same town, so let's split, and he's like, okay, I'll go to Vegas. I'm like, why are you going to Vegas? Anything you have to go to Vegas, uh, you go to Yushalayim. but Brooklyn and me, us two can't be both in Brooklyn. Why, you pick Vegas? Mike Talmud's gonna pick Vegas? He's gonna become a gambler? What happened over here? Lot went to the worst place in the world. He went to Sodom. He was Avram of Venus Talmud. Avram had the power to be Makarev the whole world. His best student became a Ganeth and a, and a Sodomite. What happened to Lot? So there's one word here. Vayelech Ito Lot. Lot went with Avraham. But he didn't do what Avraham did. Because Baruch Hu taught us a lesson here, and, and I spoke about it in seminary this week, and I think it's, it's, it's something that, that we all have to understand. It's very hard. It's really not fear for me to say this, because it puts an all on everybody, but Lemais is the truth. Avraham, Hashem was telling Avraham Avinu a very big, very big lesson for all of us. And the lesson is as follows. If you want to become great, if you want to change, you have to leave all your stuff behind. You can't take it with you. A lot of us think, I'm not talking about anybody here, I'm not talking about anybody specific, and I was included in this, a lot of us think, I can be a Tzedekistah, I can be close to Hashem, but I can also watch movies. And I can listen to Goyesha music. And I can have internet. I can have all this stuff. But on Wallstein, I can also dive in the morning. And I can also be close to Hashem. This week's Pasha says no. This week's Pasha says, you want to become a Ramavinu? If you want to be benched, if you want to be blessed with holy children, and you want to be holy to get where you're going, you have to leave where you're at. You can't get where you're going if you don't leave where you're at. The same thing with GPS. Tonight I was in Lakewood. You know, I was at a wedding. And we were in a place where there was no reception. So the satellite in Shamayim didn't know where I was. Right? So when we put in Ornava, how to get back here, it couldn't answer me how to get back here because it had no idea where I was. So until the satellite found me, right, it said, I forgot the words that it uses, but until it found me, it didn't give me the directions. So if, if you don't know where you're at right now, if you don't know where you're at, you're fooling yourself, and, you're, and you don't know where you are, you can't get what you're going. So Avram Avinu, because Baruch told Avram Avinu, listen very carefully, you, you want to become Avram Avinu, you have to leave all your stuff behind. Lot didn't. Vayelach ito Lot. Lot went with Avram Avinu, but he took all his stuff with him. So he ended up in Sodom, and he ended up being a Ganav, because it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And the mistake today is that we really believe that we can do all this stuff, and I can be a good Jew too. I'm not saying you're not a good Jew. You know, people will come back and get all angry at me. But if you really want to grow, I mean, I can talk to you from my own experience. I, I was telling this to the girls. It's not that long ago that I gave up movies, and it's not that long ago that I gave up 
rock and roll. And it's not that long ago that I gave up television and all the other stuff that I did. It's not so long ago. And I was the biggest fighter with my teachers. And I said that they were wrong. My Rebbies, I was very big into rock and roll. I was a drummer. I am a drummer. And I'm very into music. And I love music. And the music that I grew up with had no dirty words in it. Um, it was the same culture, right? My culture was the same culture. Um, you didn't dress like that. I didn't feel that it had an effect on me. And I told this to my rabbeim. I'm like, the sound of silence, by that's not going to change your life. And, and, and you know, and, and stay away to heaven and all these different songs. They were, they were very deep songs. Hotel California they had big meanings and, you know, and, 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 and Garfunkel, they were Jewish. So like, it was Tyra, you know, and, and my rabbeim kept telling me that you, it's staring your learning. I don't know how to say that in English, but it, it's disturbing your learning and it's affecting your learning. And I'm like, Rebbe, I love you. It, it doesn't affect my learning. I re, and it didn't. I really didn't feel it affected my learning. And watching television growing up was black and white television and we were watching Superman and the little rascals and, and the honeymooners and there was, there wasn't even a scene in the honeymooners where they went into their bedroom. They weren't allowed to have a scene on television where a man and a woman would walk into a bedroom. So they never ever saw them both walk into the bedroom. That's how clean it was. And my Rebbe used to call it the Avoid the Zara box. And I said, it's not Avoid the Zara box. I'm watching the Wizard of Oz, you know, in black and white. Like, what could happen from Toto? Like, what, what, it was, there was nothing wrong. It says the Avoid the Zara box. And if you keep watching, it's having an effect on you. And the movies, the, the science fiction movies are having an effect on you. And staying up at night and watching Seinfeld, I said, Seinfeld, Seinfeld's Jewish, right? It has an effect on you being a Rebbe. And I'm like, it doesn't have an effect. I come home and I'm tired and I work the whole day and I need to relax. So I watched Seinfeld, big deal. And it has an effect on you. And I said, it doesn't have an effect on me. And when did I find out that it had an effect on me? Only when I stopped. Until I stopped, I did not know that it had an effect on me. When you're in the fish store, you don't smell a fish. When you walk out and your mother says, when you walk into your house, where were you? Ooh, right? But when you're in it, the fish man, he doesn't think he smells from fish. The girl in Bloomingdale's that sells perfume, she doesn't think that she smells from perfume. But I used to go on business. I remember there were certain customers that I had that were women's stores. And I would come home. My wife would say, where were you? Like your jacket stinks from perfume, right? But I didn't smell it. People who smoke, you're like, you reek from smoke. And they're like, what are you talking about? I don't smell from smoke. Why? Because when you're in it, when you're in it, you don't feel it. The minute you step out, that's when you feel it. Aram Avinu stepped out. He stepped out of his environment. He stepped out. He changed. Lot Ito. He took it with him. He took the fish store with him. He took the perfume, the smoking with him. So he never changed. His position changed in life. He, he went from point A to point B, but he took all this stuff with him. And therefore he became a Russia. And therefore he ended up in Sodom. So I did not realize that that my learning, my understanding of the secrets of Torah, my understanding of being able to talk to people, my my growth, my real growth and spirituality started when I got rid of all that stuff. But if but I fought it and, and I didn't feel it. And and it was gradual, of course you don't get rid of you can't get rid of everything at one time. When I stopped going to movies, that gave me the strength to stop watching television, which gave me the, stop, the power to stop listening to non-Jewish music, which gave me the power to stop reading the certain books that I was reading, and each thing and each thing and each thing. And people ask me all the time, often, how do you have time to do what you do? And the answer is, I don't do anything else. Honestly. So you might look at me and say, Walton, you have a very boring life. What kind of life do you have? You have a flip phone. That already means you have no life, right? I have a flip phone, never. My girls keep bothering me. They say, Rabbi Wallstein, you have to get rid of this. This is, this is ancient. So you have a flip phone. You don't have internet. You don't have Facebook. You don't listen to non-Jewish music. You don't watch movies. You don't watch television. You're not reading books. Rabbi Wallstein, you have the most boring life of anyone that I know.
I challenge anyone in this room to spend the day with me and tell me that it's boring. My days are not boring, right? So, but, but you would think that without all that stuff, it would have to be boring. And the answer is that I am busy, Baruch Hashem, with the things that I need to be busy with, and I don't waste my time. You know, at the, at the end of a movie, you watch for two and a half hours. Again, I'm not telling everyone to, in here to give up all your stuff. I understand that it's not easy. But I have to tell you that if you really want to grow and you really want to be connected to God and you really want to be connected to even, not as important, but very important, to yourself because a movie takes you away from yourself and the world of fantasy takes you away from reality and you are reality. So the more you have time for yourself and you have time to think about who you are and where you're going, the more reality you live in the more connected you are to yourself, the more you are connected to other people. Someone asked me yesterday, I met with somebody, and I'm not saying this as Gaiva, I'm saying this as Musa. So she, I met with this girl, and within 10 minutes, pretty much told her her whole life. So she asked me, how, how, how do you, how do you know so much about me without anybody telling you, do you have Ruach HaKodesh? And I said, no, I don't have Ruach HaKodesh. Are you a makubal? I'm like, no, I don't, I'm not a makubal. She says, so, so, how, this is a very interesting point. So, so how could you just meet me for 10 minutes, talk to me for 10 minutes, and tell me all this stuff about me, some of it I didn't even know myself till you told me? And I told her. The more you know about yourself, the more time you spend with yourself, the more you know about other people. If you're not connected to yourself, you cannot understand other people. If you are connected to yourself and you understand, you're a human being and you understand your pitfalls, your Yetzirah, your inner fights and all that, then you understand the minute you talk to someone else, you understand that one plus one equals two and two plus two equals four because you understand that in your own system. So if you understand your own system, then I understand your system. But if I don't know my own system, how am I ever going to know your system? That's for sure not. So the more you're in touch with yourself, the easier it is to be in touch with other people. Not with HaKodesh. It's not some secret. It's getting in touch with yourself. And the Yitzhahara created a world of phones and technology and all this other stuff to totally disconnect yourself from yourself. So, so the Lech Lecha, and I just saw this in, 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 in the Me'enosh Torah, what Hashem was saying, Lech Lecha means you need to go away from all this other stuff, but in the end, who is it going to be, who is it going to help? The lech lecha, it's a funny joke, lech equals lecha. They're, they're, they're the same gematria, they're the same word, right? They're just different pronunciations. Lech, the going is for who? Lecha. Hashem said, I don't have to tell you where you're going. The first step is not where you're going. The first step is leaving behind all your stuff. When you leave behind all your stuff, we'll figure out, you know, it's like dirty clothing. You get rid of all your dirty clothing, we'll figure out what we're going to buy you new. But take off your schmutz. You know, take a shower. Get rid of all the dirt. And we'll figure out how to clothe you. We'll figure out what to buy you, what to put on you. But if you don't get rid of your schmutz, it doesn't work. You know, there's a, there's a very, very cute story. This guy lived in the in the forest. And he, he didn't know about anything about civilization. And he's getting married to some girl that in the forest. Well, that's where they live. This whole tribe, whatever. So... He wants to get dressed for the wedding. So he heard that in civilization, you can go to a store and you can buy a suit. So he decides, right? An Indian, let's say, whatever, over reservation, coming to the big city, going to buy a suit. So he comes to the store and he walks in. Of course, they want to sell him a suit, a salesman, a tailor, right? So he walks in and the thousands of suits, size 32, 36, 38, 40, 42, 44, portly, short, tall, right? He doesn't know anything, so he goes over to the salesman. He says, I'm here for a suit. I'm getting married. The salesman says, oh, let me see. Uh, okay. I'm doing this for 50 years. You're a size 42 regular. He says, okay, that rack on the back, from that side to that side, those are all 42 regulars. Pick out any suit you want. Try it on. We'll tailor it. Okay. He likes the black suit and the blue suit and the gray suit. He takes out six, seven suits, and he goes into the room, he's in there for an hour, guy's waiting, finally he comes out, he says, none of them fit. 
says, what? Not one of them fit? He says, none of them fit. You know, sometimes maybe I'm a little bit off. I'm getting old. It's not a 42. Maybe you're a 44. Okay. That rack over there from that side to that side. But 44. It takes out five, six suits. Goes in there for an hour. Comes out. He goes, none of them fit. He goes, no, 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 no. The 44 surely fits. He says, let me go into the... Let me go into the trying on room and uh, let's see what you're doing. Something's wrong. So he goes into the room. It's a famous story. I think maybe it's in the Chavetz Chaim's Moshe or whatever. He goes into the room and this Meshuggah guy, being that he never ever did this before, he's trying to put the suit on over his clothes. Nobody told him to take off his clothes and then try to put on the suit. So he's in there with his coat and his Gansamices and he's trying to put on this suit. Of course it doesn't fit. Of course it doesn't fit. You gotta take off your clothing. And then you put on the dress. You gotta take off your clothing. Then you put on the suit. Otherwise it doesn't fit. So he's, of this week's parsha, this is the, this is the beginning of Abraham Avinu becoming Abraham Avinu. It's when he made the Brisbane Absarim. It's when his name became from Avram to Avraham. This is the beginning of everything. The beginning of everything, everyone has to know, girls, you need to know, that the beginning of everything is lech lecha, me'at before you can grow, before you can become who you want to be, you gotta get, take off all this garbage. You gotta get rid of all the garbage. And as you get rid of it, you will realize your growth. Until then, you'll say, this is not important. I can handle this. This is not important. This doesn't affect me. I'm telling you from me. I'm now better than anyone else. This is not going to change me. All of a sudden, when you take, when you, when you, when you remove that stuff, you become a different person. You really become a different person. And guess what? At the end of the day, you're really not missing anything. Because all the movies, they, yes, they're very entertaining. But the truth is, at the end of the day, you have nothing. Imagine spending two and a half hours with a little kid in a hospital that's sick, or a Down syndrome kid, or an autistic kid, or your grandmother, or an old lady, or or just doing something in the world. You spent two and a half hours, or five hours, or seven or ten hours a week watching things that never happened and crying over things that never happened. You have the most. You have the most powerful thing that a woman has is her tears. Her tears break down the walls in Shemayim. Your tears might have saved Rabbi Vajra Yosef. Your tears have a crazy strength. Instead, you're crying about some girl in a movie that died, but she didn't die because next week she's back in another movie. She's a And then a year later, she's back in another movie. She never died. And in the book that you're reading, she never died, even though it says she died. And you're crying all these tears. And meanwhile, real tears for real sick people, right, could save their lives. So, so you don't realize that. It's like the person in the fish store. You don't realize that because we're going through life and we're surrounded by technology and we're surrounded by all this and we're surrounded by romance and we're surrounded by all this other stuff and we don't realize we're in this, we're in that, in that whirlwind. We don't realize that we, we, we're just going around and around and around. We're not doing anything. So if you want to accomplish, you have to do lech lecha. And if you're going to take it with you, you take your old stuff with you, you really can't change and that was a very big lesson from this week's parasha that is the lesson of this week's parasha the lesson of this week's parasha and it's hard you have to do it one thing at a time I, I couldn't do all five things at a time do one thing at a time all of a sudden you're going to find out that you have time for yourself and you're going to find out who you are when you find out who you are you can help other people find out who they are and when you find out your pitfalls and your growth then you can help other people find their pitfalls and their growth but you can't do that if you yourself are not spending any time with yourself. And that's what Akash Baruch told Abraham Avinu, he said, don't worry where you're going. If you're able to leave where you're at, you're going to end up in a very good place. Okay, so that's the beginning, very important lesson. Um, in the beginning, I've spoken about it before, but it's, it's, it's you know, I, I gave a speech, I'm not going to say which yeshiva, but they, I, I got a phone call from a very big Rav, and he asked me to come speak to an elementary school Sunday night, to the parents for having orientation. And he asked me to speak on the subject of texting. Eighth grade boys, so real from yeshiva, eighth grade boys, seventh grade boys, texting. I said, you mean you want me to talk about internet? He goes, nope. Facebook? Nope. Instagram? Nope. Twitter? Nope. I said, just texting? In my head, it's not the end of the world, right? This is just texting. I said, Rabbi, what are you so... Are they texting girls? Chas v'shalom. Chas v'shalom. They're not texting girls. Seventh, eighth graders in my yeshiva? 
I said, so why are you getting so bent out of shape? Why do I, you need me to talk about texting? So he said, tells me something unbelievable. He says, you don't know what's going on. He says, they buy these kids for their bar mitzvahs, right? The biggest thing right now is either an iPod touch or an iPad. That's what they buy them for their bar mitzvahs. Now, a lot of people still know that the iPod touch you can text from. It's also internet, but you can also text from. You can't talk, but you can text from. He says, you know the bullying that's going on in my school? So what do you mean? He says, a kid comes. He doesn't like the other kid. He doesn't like the way the other kid is dressed. So he texts to his friend, ha, 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 look at Yankel, he looks so stupid. Now, in the old days, when I was growing up, a bully is one guy, and he would bully the weakest guy in the class, right? So it would be one guy and one guy in the class. Today, the kid wants to bully, right? Or a girl wants to make fun of another girl. So he sends a mass text to 60 guys at one time. Look how stupid this kid looks, right? And his text is not only going to the 40 guys in the class, it's going to three other yeshivas. So now they're texting everyone, ha, you heard about Yankel in that yeshiva? He's wearing silly socks or he's wearing whatever it is, or or he got a 20 on his test, where he says, do you understand the kayach today of bullying when you have the ability to text? He says, you can destroy a kid. 60 kids can walk into the lunchroom and say, we know about you, we know what you got on your test. He said, that's what you need to talk about. I was like, I'm not even, I'm thinking texting girls, this, that. He said, the technology today, right? Because kids don't have low self-esteem. Most of us have low self-esteem. So how do you get your self-esteem up by making fun of somebody else, right? So he said, that's what I need you to talk about. So I, I just want to tell you how I opened. And it, it happens to be that it's brought down in the forum that this whole lechlecha is talking about yinashama, me'atzecha, is, um, is where a person ends up in the ground. Moladacha, where a person comes from, right? Tipashrucha is a Mishnah. Or El Arta Ekra means after uh, the land that I'm going to show you, after a person dies, he goes to the next world, right? He has to give Din Cheshman Takhosh Baruchu. So I, 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 I really didn't know what to say at this. I'm, I don't talk in boys' yeshiva's eighth grade, and I don't talk about texting. It was never all my shurim. It wasn't, I talk about Facebook. I don't talk about which got old. I don't talk about it anymore. But I, I, talk, I don't talk about texting. So I was like, how am I going to open the speech? Like, what am I going to say? I don't want to tell you how I opened the speech. I said, so all your parents are here today to hear about your children. You came to orientation, right? All about your children. Everything's about your children. I'm like, See all these people that, you're, that are here? The children that you have, they're not yours. Oh, imagine you tell a parent that, right? I'm like, they're not your children. So they're all looking at each other like, what is he talking about? I'm like, God forbid, God forbid, it'll never happen, it should never happen, it should never happen. But something that's yours, nobody can take away. But we know God forbid, or God, could, God could take your child away. So it means, if God can take your child away, it's not your child. It's his child. And he gave you this child as a pikadon. What's a pikadon? When you give something to someone to watch, to take care of. And so, so Kodesh Baruch Hu was nice enough to give you his child as a pikadon. You think it's yours? Anytime he wants, he can take it back. So it's not yours. We all have to agree, if it can be taken away from you, it's not yours. So... I said, I just want to ask you a question. I said this to the parents. I just want to ask you a question. When, when you make a decision about what your child should have in life, should I buy him a phone? Should I not buy him a phone? Should I buy him a computer? Should he have internet? Shouldn't he have internet? Should I watch movies? I said, what, what's your mindset? Your mindset is, in our family, right, is this correct? Should I do this? I said, but if he's not your kid and he's God's kid, then you have to think about, does Hashem want me to buy him a phone? Because being that I am just watching this for God, this child, is not mine, so then whose is it? It's Hashem's. Then I got to start thinking with a third head, a third brain, a third eye. Does Hashem want me on his bar mitzvah day, right? You know that girls don't have a Yetzirah until... A Yetzirah until you're 12, and boys don't get a Yetzirah until we're 13. Yetzirah has the first 13 years or the first 12 years, right? So now, Yetzirah shows up. It's by mitzvah day. Yetzirah shows up. I've been waiting for this neshama for 13 years. I'm here. So what are you buying me? So in my day, they used to buy you a set of Mishnah Buras, a set of Mishnayas, a set of Chumash. Now, 
What are you buying? My biggest enemy. It's a toe's biggest enemy. An iPad. Every kid gets an iPad for his bar mitzvah. You should know that. Whether it's his uncle, his grandfather, his, his, his dad, his, uh, a friend. That's, that's the, every kid wants an iPad or an iPod touch, but an iPad. So I'm saying, listen to what you're doing. On his bar mitzvah day, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's his son, and you're giving his son the entrance into the world of the Satan. I said, who are you? You're in charge of God's child. Who are you to give this to him? I said, so if your decisions in life, and everyone who has a child here, Mitzvah Shem, who's not married, who's going to have a child, when you make decisions, what yeshiva, what should be in the house, what he should see, all that, when you make that decision, if you make that decision correctly and say, I'm watching this kid for God. I'm in charge of this child. It's Hashem's child. And I don't want him to take him away from me. So, what would Hashem want? I said, then your upbringing of your child, the chinuch of your child, will be the right chinuch. But I'm going to take it a step further. Your life, everybody in this room, our life is not ours. How do you know that? Because you're not allowed to take it away. If my life is mine, then any time I want to get rid of it, I should have the right to get rid of it. If I want to jump off a bridge, don't tell me I can't jump off a bridge. It's my life. If I want to shoot myself in the head, don't tell me I can't shoot my, it's my life. The answer is, Terry says, it's not your life. And Hashem can take it away from you anytime He wants. So if it's not your life, then the soul that Hashem gives you is a pikadon. It's something that you have to take care of and to nurture. So when you think about, it's a very big mind changer. When you think about, should I get this? Should I watch this? Should I listen to this? Should I look at this? Should I do this? The question is not, should I do this for me? The question is, I am a shomer. I am watching this neshama, this life. I am a shomer of this neshama that belongs to God. As it says, and every neshama belongs to Hashem. It's part of Hashem. So if I'm a shomer, all of a sudden, maybe watching Seinfeld at night is not what Hashem wants me to do. And maybe going to the movies and watching things that I should not do, being that I'm a shomer, it's not my life. Right now, a lot of people are going to be very angry. What do you mean it's not my life? It is my life. I didn't ask him for this life. At the end of the day, it's not your life. You know, this, the Chafetz Chaim once made a speech in a shul, and he told them that, that, that money doesn't belong to us because Hashem can take your money anytime you want. He said, no matter how rich you are, if God wants, He can take all your money in one shot. So this man got up, and he was very respectful. He was the president of the shul. He had 40 banks in like, 36 countries. And he walked over to the Chavetz Chaim, he said to Chavetz Chaim, he says, Rabbi, I'm really sorry, but I could lose all my money, but I can't lose all my money like you said in one moment. God cannot close 36 banks or 40 banks in 36 countries. One bank after another, after another, after another. But what the Rabbi said is not true. There's no way that in one second Hashem could close all my banks. There's no way he could take away all my money in one second. It could happen over years or over months or over weeks, but not in one second. So Chavetz Chaim looked at him and he said, really? He said, who says that Hashem has to take the banks away from you? He could take you away from the banks. And that just takes a second. If you die, Mm -hmm. you don't have any of that money anymore. So it's not in our hands. And one of the questions that Hashem asks us when we come to Shemayim is I gave you this beautiful neshama, part of me. I gave you this, this beautiful diamond. It's like a husband who gives his wife this beautiful ring and she keeps putting it in the mud and she keeps chipping it and she keeps breaking it and she keeps, right? And the end he's like, this is what I gave you? This is, this is, this is how you're taking care of it? So a person has to answer after 120 years this question. And Akash Baruch was saying, you, you left, you left me, you came to this world, now you, now you're a pikadon and you have to give an answer at the end of 100, after 120, that's what he said, and you're gonna end up, you're gonna end up in the other land. 
You're going to end up in Olam Haba one day, and you're going to have to answer, why when you made your decisions, you're thinking about what you want, and you're not thinking about what I want. You're just a shamer. You just, you're just, you're just taking care of this neshama, and your whole life will change. How you bring up your children, and how you bring yourself up, will change if you bring God, if you bring HaKadosh Baruch Hu, into that mix, and you understand at the end of the day, you don't belong to yourself. Because you're not allowed to even, you're not, the Torah says you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to self, you're not allowed to hurt yourself, you're not allowed to cut yourself. You're not allowed to hurt yourself, it's an Aveira to hurt yourself. person is not allowed, what do you mean, if I want to hurt myself, it's me. And the answer is no, the Torah is telling you, it's not you. It's not you. You are part of what Hashem sent to this world, and you need to take care of that person in the best way that you can. And therefore, you can't commit suicide, you can't cut yourself, you can't put tattoos on yourself, because it's not your skin. What do you mean? I want to write a tattoo! It's my skin! At least my skin! Tell me it's not my soul! It's my skin! I want to write a tattoo! So he says, no, it's not your skin. No, you can't put a tattoo in your skin. It's not your skin. My skin says HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I gave you that skin. And therefore, you have to take care of that skin in, in, in a certain way. And you have to be healthy. You have to take care of that body in a certain way. And that's what this week's Pasha is telling us. And it's so important because the difference between becoming a Lot and ending up in Sidon or becoming an Avram Avinu is the word Ito. Is if you don't leave it all behind, if you, do, if you don't leave it behind, if you don't leave where you are, you cannot get where you're going. I just want to end. So we're in the middle of Hashem. I saw a few chapters today of my book, my Sefer, on um, on Hakar Satov, which Mitzvah Hashem I'm doing with, with uh, Rav Shimon Finkelman, and is being put out by Archgirl. It's very exciting to put out a book. Um, it's being a little bit delayed. It's, gonna, it's supposed to come out on Pesach. Instead, it's coming out in Elul. Perfect time in Elul Mitzvah Hashem for next year. So I try to read you one story, just tell you one little snippet from the book that I saw today. So Akar Satov, we, we talk about Akar Satov, everything's based on appreciation, and, and anyone here knows if you, a marriage without appreciation doesn't work, and a, a, a parent-child relationship doesn't work, and with Hashem it doesn't work. A person, if you don't appreciate something, then, then there's no relationship. This is an unbelievable story. So there was... Rav Zaks, I, I knew him. He was the son-in-law of the Chabetz Chaim. He lived on the west side of Manhattan. We used to daven when I went to my grandparents. So we used to daven in, the, in that in, in the shul. So you have to remember, you, you, to be the son of the Chabetz Chaim is huge. I think to be the son-in-law of the Chabetz Chaim is bigger because it means he chose you. His children, his children, you don't have a choice. But the son-in-law, you know, there's a famous Gemara about like someone like me who only has daughters. So he had no sons. So they asked him, Aren't you upset that you, you know, you have no boys? He said, no, it's better to have daughters than to have sons. They asked him why. He said, because sons, you have no choice. Son-in-laws, you pick. So you have a choice. Not today, but in the old days, you used to be able to pick your son-in-laws. So listen to this, unbelievable. So, so, Rav Zaks, who was the son-in-law of the Chavetz Chaim, had a child who he asked Rapam, all of a shalom, or Shiva Tovadaz, he asked Rapam if he could learn with him, to like tutor him. So Rapam said, of course, that, that, that's his son, so that's the Chavetz Chaim's grandson, right? So Rapam used to learn with him every morning. So Rav Zaks would come over to Rapam at the end of the week and say, Rapam, I want to pay you. You're learning, you, you know, you're tutoring, I want to pay you. Uh, Rapam said, no, I don't want any money, I don't want any money. But they have a Korosatov, they have Tzaddikim. So Rav Zaks kept pushing him, he said, I'm not going to let him learn with you anymore unless you take money. So Rapam it's in his book, I believe. Turned to Rav Zaks, he said, "You think, you think that you need to pay me and have a karsa tov that I'm learning with your son?" He says, "Every single day, your father-in-law, your father-in-law teaches me every single day for hours, for hours, and I never got a chance to pay him. I owe him a lot more than you owe me." What are you talking about? The Chafetz Chaim was not alive anymore. So Rapam said, I learned Mishnah Brura. And Mishnah Brura was written by the Chafetz Chaim. So the Chafetz Chaim is teaching me every day. I learned an hour Mishnah Brura. And he's teaching me every day an hour. And, and you think I owe you money? The Chafetz Chaim is teaching me and I'm not, I'm not paying him? He's doing it for free? 
Are you kidding me? And Rav Zak said, okay, we have a deal. You hear? Of course, I told of learning a safer, of course, I told to that safer. So they said over from, I don't know who the big tzaddik was, a very big tzaddik, that every day he used to light two candles, um, but after Davin, he used to light two candles for the svarim that he learned that day. He said that he was learning Rabbi Kiva Eger, right, on, on Gemara, and they heard him, they used to light the, he said, today he's learning Rabbi Kiva Eger, so he's lighting two candles, Le'ile Nishmash, Rabbi Kiva Eger, because if I didn't, if Rabbi Eger didn't, didn't write this book, didn't write this safer, wouldn't, so I have to appreciate it. So he, whatever he learned, he went and he gave tzedakah and he lit candles as appreciation for the person writing the safer. And he said that he used to always give tzedakah for Rashi. I'm learning Rashi my whole life. All, a lot of you have learned Rashi. Do you ever think that you need to give tzedakah, li'ili nishmas Rashi, or to thank Rashi? Right? That's how deep a tzaddik understands the appreciation that the basis of life, the basis of life, the basis of Torah, is understanding and appreciating what people do for us. So we have to appreciate what Kosh Baruch that he gives us life, and we need to use this life to help others, to find ourselves, and to stop living in this world that is not life, that is fake. The world where when you turn on the light, you can't see the movie anymore. And that was the godless of Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu's life, which we'll, we'll talk about next week in Pasha Vayera, the end of this week's Pasha. Same thing with the pullet this week's Pasha. So we know that the four kings were fighting the five kings. Lot got captured, and all of a sudden this pullet, right, comes to Avram Avinu, and he tells Avram Avinu that your, 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 your nephew was, was kidnapped. Says Rashi, who's the pullet? Og. Og was a Russia. Og was the one that laid on top of the Noach's Teva, right? And he was a very, very big Russia. Why did Og come and tell Avram Avinu that your nephew was captured? Because he was in love with Sarah, says Rashi. So he figured if he sends Avram to go fight against the kings, those kings are going to wipe out Avram, and then Avram's going to be dead, and then he's going to come and get Sarah. So he was a miserable Russia. Oh, with a miserable Russia. He was setting up Avram to get killed, not to do a good thing. Later on, in Pasha's, in Dvarim, or at the end of Bamidbar, in, in Bamidbar by Balak, when Moshe Rabbeinu goes to fight, it says that Moshe Rabbeinu was very scared of Og Melech Abasha. Never in the Torah does it say that Moshe Rabbeinu was scared of anybody. So it says that Moshe Rabbeinu was scared, he was a giant. It said that Moshe Rabbeinu was 10 feet, was 10 amas tall. So he was 20 feet tall. He took his mate, which I think was 10 feet tall, was 10 feet tall. So that's 30 feet, 30 feet. And he hit Og's ankle. Okay, that's what, how big a giant Og was. But was Moshe Rabbeinu was scared of a giant? And he's Moshe Rabbeinu, right? So the Mephoshim say, why was Moshe Rabbeinu scared of Og? Because he felt he'll never be able to kill him. Why would he never be able to kill him? Because Og, Melech Abashan, did something for Avram Avinu. He told Avram Avinu that his nephew was captured. So they asked Akasha, he did something for Avram Avinu. He wanted he, he want Avram Avinu to die. And the answer is, but what happened in the end? Did Avram Avinu save Lot? Did Og, because Og told Avram, was Lot saved? So even though he was a Russia, and he wanted to do the worst thing in the world, Moshe Rabbeinu was scared. He knows how Hashem is so mocked strict about Akar Satov. He was scared that Og is not destructible. Because he once did a mitzvah for Avram Avinu. Even though he wanted to kill him. So imagine, ladies, if you do, if you have a, if you do a mitzvah for the right reason, the power that a person has, and the power that Kishbohu gives a person, appreciation, and, and, and that is a very important point. I always made fun, I said, how did Og get there? Pollitt, he was the first pilot, you know, it's a very weird word, Pollitt. But Lemaisa, he, he, and, and what came out of Og, I think, maybe Rus? I'm not sure, I don't know if it was Rus, but someone very great came out of Og also. So, the lessons I want you to take from tonight, is number one is of course, Akarsa Torah, but number two, you really can't get where you're going till you leave where you're at. And and you, you got to do it. If you don't believe me, do it a little bit at a time. Stop one little thing and you will see that all of a sudden you will find more time for yourself and you'll find that you understand people, you understand things, you're, I don't want to daven, I don't like to daven, 
I feel very disconnected. A lot of girls come to me and they say, Red Wallstein, I try. I open that sitter and I open that tehillim. I try. I'm not, I'm just not connected. I, I, it's not my fault. I'm not connected. And the answer is, you're right. You're not connected. So if you start taking some of the stuff that you are connected to and disconnecting this wire and this wire, it's like a plug. You have five plugs, right? You want to plug things in. You got to unplug all the old stuff. All the other stuff that you have plugged in there, if you pull them out, then you can plug it in. But if you leave all the old stuff in the plugs, you have nowhere to plug your new light. You got a brand new light. You're all excited in your room. A beautiful light. You want to plug it in. You got all your old lights over there. All your broken, broken lights. And you got the plug. And you're like, oh, Robert Wallstein, I can't get my light on. Yeah, fool. Pull out the old light and put in the new light. And then you can get your light on. If you're going to stick with the plug in your hand, the light's never going to go on. So if you're disconnected from Hashem, so maybe if you disconnect, some of the stuff you're connected to, then there'll be a plug to reconnect with Hashem. You should all be able, we should all together be able to find that plug to reconnect with Hashem. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.